Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 17 of 1 Kings 17. If you remember from last week, the Lord had sent the prophet Elijah to the home of a widow and through his miraculous provision, the widow's jar of oil and of flour did not run dry throughout the time of the drought that was in Israel and Sidon. Now, this Sidonian widow to whom Elijah was sent, would have had a view of the world and how it works like all of us do. We can assume that her understanding of life and death was shaped by the Sidonian culture in which she was born, in which she was raised and she lived. She would have been raised to believe that Baal was the god of life. And the reason that rain came upon the land was because Baal rode upon the clouds bringing fruitfulness to the land as he provided rain. Life in abundance was his dominion of power. Yet, when winter came and the rains ceased on the plains of Sidon, Baal had been defeated. And his rival, Mot, the god of death, had overcome him. And he would hold him in the realm of death throughout the winter season. Baal could not escape from the power of Mot. He was powerless. Yet, when the rains of spring came again, it was a sign that yet another god, Anat, had traveled to the realm of death to find Baal and to free him from the grip of Mot, and the seasons would continue, each god in their realm of power. You see, the changing of the seasons to the Sidonian mind showed that one god was going into retreat while another god was coming into his realm and place of power. And the Sidonian widow would have assumed that the god of Israel was of like nature to the gods of Sidon. Though he proved his power for a season, there was no guarantee that his power would continue or that his power would extend beyond the realm of provision. In her mind, there were borders of power, kingdoms and realms where one God ruled and another did not. And whether you recognize it or not, we also live in a culture that has a view Of a world that limits God. We are not raised on Canaanite pagan religion. Rather we are raised. And we are indoctrinated. In a humanistic and naturalistic culture. It's humanistic in that man is the center and measure of all things. And it's naturalistic in that the events of the world are controlled by natural forces and chance alone. The events of the world can be traced to one of two spheres of power. It's either human decision or random natural causes. For example, prior to Newtonian physics, the Christian world assumed that the planets were held in place by the power of a sovereign God. But now we can describe the motions of planets. We believe that we know better. 
Now we know that the natural phenomenon of gravity causes planets to maintain their orbits. And so we assume that because we can describe how something happens, that we can also know why it is happening. And in our minds, the borders of God's power are pushed further back. When we adopt this way of viewing the world, the Lord possesses a very small realm of power. In our mind, He often only exercises power over those areas in life that we can't explain by human decision or natural causes. He becomes the God of the gaps. He is the God of the unexplained. And yet, once man discovers the natural cause behind a phenomenon, the border of his kingdom and power is pushed further inward until his kingdom, his realm of power is so small that he becomes nothing more than a Sunday morning ritual. Yet the Lord is moving to show us that He is not the God of the gaps. He is not the God of just one realm of power. He is not the God of the unexplained only. He is the God of all things. A God without borders. You see, He is a God who has no limits. And in our passage for this morning, what we will see is that the Lord is moving to display His power over all the earth and over life, and over death. And as we step into the life of this Sidonian widow, we will see that the God of Israel has no borders. So hear now the word of the Lord. 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we come to you and we humbly ask that as we read your word and as we hear it preached, that we would have the testimony of the Sidonian widow. That we would know that the words that are spoken, the words that have been inspired for us, written in 1 Kings, are truly the word of the Lord. And that we might believe them as truth. And that our hearts 
might be rightly changed and conformed to them. We pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen. As you remember from last week, Elijah was sent to this Sidonian widow by the word of the Lord. The Lord had promised that her flour and oil would not run dry and that it would not run out during the whole duration of the drought. And this promise was fulfilled and the widow and her whole household were sustained along with Elijah. This miracle proved two important points about the Lord, the God of Israel. First, it proved that he was superior to Baal. Baal, it seemed, was trapped at this time by Mot. He could not escape to bring rain to the plains of Sidon. Yet the Lord somehow miraculously provided flour and oil. He provided life when Baal could not. The second thing that this miracle proved is that the God of Israel is the God of all the earth. The Canaanites were willing to accept that other gods had power over other territories. The Sidonians, the Assyrians, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, they all had their own gods and their gods exercised power within their realms. But what happened each night in the cabinet of the Sidonian widow did not mesh with her understanding of the world. How could the Lord, the God of Israel, provide for me in the midst of Baal's territory? The only way is if the Lord is God of all the earth. The Lord is the Lord of life. And He is the Lord of all the earth. And these truths are of great encouragement. The Lord provides for His people. The Lord will bring us our daily bread and provision. And we can trust Him. There is no place we can go on this earth where the Lord does not reign. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Whether we are here in Lynchburg or we are in Shanghai, the Lord is God and His Word will endure forever. I had a friend in college who went to seminary out on the West Coast. And after studying there for a year, many of his views on the Word of God and on cultural issues dramatically changed. We were close friends and so I went out to visit him And we spent some time talking and he shared with me how his beliefs had changed. And one of the things I remember him telling me was, look, things are different out here. It's not like in the South. And while he was right, things were different out West. That does not mean that the Lord was different. No matter where you go, the Lord is the same and His Word never changes. It's the same in America and in Europe and in Asia and in Africa. It's the same in 860 B.C., 100 A.D. or 2022 A.D. People will argue that the church needs to keep up with the times and adapt to the culture. And of course, there are ways that we can present the truths of the gospel that connect better with different cultures. But ultimately, the Lord does not change, nor Nor does the message of the gospel. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God in Israel and in Sedona, in Virginia and in California, in London and Kathmandu. The Lord is a God without borders. And yet, this truth is challenged in our passage. 
Look and see what happens in verses 17 and 18 again. It says after this, so after the Lord has provided life to this family, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house became ill and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? You see, the Sidonian widow learned that the Lord was the Lord of life. But she did not know if he was also the Lord over death. She had a category for the God of Israel. And when death came, she became confused. I've obeyed the word of the Lord. I've trusted him and I've received life. But does his power stop there? Is he limited like the gods of Sidon? How often we fall victim to this confusion. We have been well taught that the Lord has a plan for our lives. We have been taught of the love of God and of his grace to save us from our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet when hardship comes into our lives, we are somehow unable to understand how the God of love and life could also allow such hardships to occur. There are times in the Christian life that are like a calm before a storm. All seems right with the world. But when the storm of a lost pregnancy or the storm of a lost job or the storm of cancer comes, the strength of our convictions become tested. Do we believe that the Lord is a God without borders? A God of both the blessings and the hardships of our lives? The widow's response is typical of a young faith. I thought my sin was forgiven. I believed in the Lord's provision and the promise of eternal life. But now it seems that this hardship is just throwing my sin back in my face. God, if I am forgiven and I'm loved, why have you abandoned me to such a fate? What have you against me, O Lord? Why have you brought such hardship to me? But the Lord has a purpose for the hardships in our lives. He has a reason. When Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, died, the crowds had beliefs about the borders of Jesus' power. They had seen and they trusted that he had power over life. He could heal those who were sick. He could provide food in miraculous ways. But once somebody died, they believed that it was too late. When we read in John 11 of this incident, we hear, But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? When Lazarus, his sister Mary, spoke to Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, the assumption is there are limitations to what the Lord can do. There are places and there are events that are just too hard for him to overcome. If he would have been there when Lazarus was sick, he could have healed his sickness. But now that Lazarus has crossed the boundary into death and has been dead for several days, there is nothing that Jesus can do. He is moved outside of Jesus' realm of power and authority. 
there are people in our lives that we believe are just too lost for the Lord to save. There are diseases that have gone on far too long for the Lord to heal. There are evil practices that are so deeply entrenched in our culture that they are never going to change. There are cultures that will never come to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just too far gone. But the Lord is moving to break down all of these false limitations on His power. He is moving to show that He has no borders, that He has lordship over life, but He also has lordship over death. So Elijah, confronted with the death of this child, does not give in to the assumption that the Lord has limitations. He has experienced the Lord's power over the forces of life, but he has faith that God has power over the forces of death as well. He has more power than Baal, and he has more power than Mot. Elijah makes the or takes the lifeless child up to his bedroom. And he begins to pray to the Lord to show his power. Look at verse 20 through 21. It says, And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. The first thing that we should notice in the prayer of Elijah is that he acknowledges that the Lord is the one who killed this widow's son. In our naturalistic explanation of the world, we would say, no, 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 Elijah, you got that wrong. It wasn't the Lord who killed her son. It was this disease. It was this virus. Or he ate something bad. He was exposed to some bacteria. This is not the result of the Lord's work. Yet Elijah says the exact opposite. Yes, disease may have been the instrument by which death came, but ultimately the Lord is in control of all diseases. And Elijah is correct to say that it was the Lord who brought death to the house of this widow. When Job lost all of his children in one day, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked Shall I return? The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you hear what Job is saying? Do you hear what Elijah is saying? The Lord has power over life and over death. He is God and it is not wrong for us to say that He brings death, nor is it wrong for God to bring death. For God is sovereign. He has no borders. And He displays His power in both the preservation of human life and in the bringing of death. He says in the book of Isaiah, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you though you do not know me that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all of these things. The Lord has no borders. 
And therefore we cannot limit the Lord to do to to act in certain ways in our lives. It's an immature faith that only recognizes God's lordship over the blessings of our lives and not the calamities of our lives as well. For if we do this, we'll only become angry and confused when the inevitability of death comes to our homes. Rather, a mature faith sees that the Lord has power over life and over death, and in each he has a purpose and a plan. When the initial news of Lazarus' illness came to Jesus, he declared, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Did Jesus not know? Did he not see that Lazarus would indeed die? Or was he saying something more? Was he teaching us something deeper? Later, when Jesus learns that Lazarus has in fact died, he said to his disbelieving disciples, For your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Right? I wasn't there to heal him. I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. So that you may believe what? The same thing that Mary needed to believe? And the same thing that the crowd of Jews needed to believe? That Jesus was not just the Lord of life, but that Jesus is the Lord of death as well. Lazarus did not cease to be under the Lordship of Christ just because he had passed into the realm of death. And neither did the son of the widow fall out of the Lord God's dominion when he succumbed to death himself. This is the power of Elijah's prayer. Since he knows that the Lord has no borders, he can pray that the Lord would bring his soul back from the grave and return it to this young boy's body. And when we enter into times of hardship, into situations that the world tells us are the result of randomness or bad luck. We do not have to succumb to such fatalism. Rather, we know that the Lord who takes life also gives life. We know that the Lord who wounds is also the Lord who heals. And the Sidonian widow knew that the God of Israel was more powerful than Baal. But did he have the power to defeat Mott as well? Could this God overcome the territorial boundaries which she had been raised to believe could not be crossed? We'll look at verse 22. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. You see, death cannot stop our God. He is God over all. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the tomb of Lazarus, He did not come to the tomb to pay respects to a dearly departed brother. He came to rescue His friend from the realm of death. Even though everyone said, It's too late, Jesus. If you would have been here earlier, you may have been able to do something. He's starting to smell because He's been dead so long. Jesus, You're great, but there are limits to what You can do. And you might look at your life 
And you might look at your hardships, your disease, your sin, your guilt, and you might say, it's too late for me. I'm too far gone. There's nothing that you can do here, God. I've crossed a border that you cannot cross. But the Lord Jesus says, I have no limits. The Lord Jesus says, all things are possible with me. The Lord Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth from this grave. And when Lazarus came forth, all who were there realized the Lord has no boundaries. And the whispers of an old story may have come to their mind of a prophet who called out to the Lord and he brought again from the dead the son of the Sidonian widow. Look at verse 23 and following. And Elijah took the child And brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. You see, the Lord's jurisdiction is not limited to the realm of Israel or to the realm of provision or the realm of the living Or the realm of the church. The Lord is Lord of all. He has no limits. He has no borders. At His will the dead come forth and live again. In the early 1900s there was a young man named Edwin Coy who grew up outside of Tacoma, Washington. And one of his favorite things to do while he was growing up was to sneak into the nearby theater to watch the vaudeville acts, which were popular in the early 1900s. There was singing, there was dancing, there was comedy. It was all rolled into one. Watching all these acts led to an early career in vaudeville, even at a young age, getting up on stage and performing in front of crowds. But his life in show business was cut short. He began having headaches and feeling sick often. And so he went to the doctor and a tumor was discovered on his brain. And there was nothing that they could do for him in the early 20th century. He had maybe six months to live. And so... Ed, seeing the reality of his situation, sold everything he owned, moved from the rainy northwest down to California to live out his days on the beach. And one day, while looking out over the ocean, he prayed, Oh God, if you would heal me, I will serve you all the days of my life. Well, six months went by quickly. And nothing happened. His symptoms began to subside. A year later, nothing had happened. Ed was running out of money before he was running out of time. You see, the Lord chose to give him a tumor. And in His grace, the Lord chose to remove that tumor. Ed lived up to His Word. He became a Baptist minister. He served the Lord faithfully for the rest of his life. He had seven children. And one of those children is my grandmother, my grandma Weber, 
Ed Coy was my great-grandfather. And had the Lord not saved him from the grave, I would not be here today. The Lord has no boundary. He can give death and He can give life. He can cause calamity and He can cause recovery. Within a few weeks of bringing Lazarus back from the dead, the Lord Jesus went to the tomb Himself. And as we read the Gospels, we realize that His disciples still had not learned the extent of the Lord's power. They had seen Him heal the sick. They had seen Him provide food for thousands. They had now even seen Him bring Lazarus back from the dead. But once Jesus Himself went into the grave, there was nothing that could be done. He was gone. He had crossed the border of His power. But three days later, Jesus showed all of creation that there are no boundaries to His power. Nothing can overcome Him, not even death itself. For He is the Lord of lords, and when death took on Christ, death took on too much. He burst the cords of death, and He came to life again. Satan thought that he had won the day, but Christ subdued Satan, bound Satan, and even now is plundering Satan's property, saving the souls of many. The Lord Jesus says in the book of Revelation, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. And this means that whether the Lord brings life or brings death, brings disease or brings healing, that all of those who trust in Christ will ultimately and finally receive life. For we all will go down into the grave, each and every one of us. But on the day of Christ's return, He will display once again that He is the God without borders. He will call forth from the grave all of His people and they will rise from the grave and soul will be reunited with body so that we will never die again. What limitations have you placed on the Lord? Where have you succumbed to the belief that He is powerless to move? He is the first and the last. He is the one who holds the keys of death, which means that He is the one who holds the keys to life everlasting. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. And know that no matter where you might go or where you might be taken, the Lord of life is there because He has no boundaries. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, I pray that you would have grace and mercy towards us, your people. Lord, I know that there are our boundaries and limits that we put upon You, each one here. Father, I pray that You would overcome those boundaries. That You would display Your power in the lives of each who are here. And that You would show them Your strength, Your power to bring life and life everlasting. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.